Karma fam. This is Indra. Hope you all are having a great holiday season and enjoying time with friends and family or on your own or whatever it is you may be up to. Deanna and I are taking a couple weeks off from new episodes, so we're running reruns this week and next, and we thought it would be fun to take a trip down memory lane and go back to our very first episode that we did after recapping Family Karma Season 1. We did an episode where we talked about the outstanding movie, Bend It Like Beckham, which was one of the first times I had ever seen a South Asian lead in a movie that kind of made it into the mainstream. So we had a really fun conversation about it. This was, you know, over a year ago now. And we wanted to share that with you again. Hopefully you enjoy it. And again, I hope everyone out there is having a great holiday season. Remember, if you want to listen to more content from us, if you're interested in gossip about pop culture or Bravo TV shows other than Family Karma, we talk about it all on our Patreon page, patreon.com slash cast with a K. Please join us there for a dollar a month. You can get extra episodes every week. We're not doing one this week, but we will be doing one next week and If you sign up, you can listen back to all the ones we've done leading up to this. And there's lots of great stuff on there. So please join us there. Thank you to everyone who has supported us so far. And without further ado, here is our episode on Bend It Like Beckham. Hi, Karma fam. Hello. Welcome to the relaunch of Family Karma cast. Family. Coming to Family you cast. <laughs> virtually. I guess we're both virtual right now. Yeah, everything is virtual during COVID nineteen. Everything. Okay. Everything. So we haven't basically been in the same room. Oh, I'm I'm Deanna. Oh, and I'm Indra. So we're back. We're back. <laughs> we're back. Relaunch. 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 Like we have been really excited to hear about how excited so many of you are about our kind of new focus on South Asian American content. And Deanna and I were talking earlier today and we're like, we're doing this uh, recap of Bend It Like Beckham. And we're like, wait a minute. This is British, not American. We realize. Okay, (laughs) listen. But there has to be some forgiveness factor with things we choose, especially like I think with Bendit like Beckham. It was so big so, in the US. It, it was so big and it was near and dear to both of our hearts. It like, was. We both saw it in different places. I saw it in the UK. Yeah. And I saw it here in Boulder when I was 17. And Where was it playing? Okay. So that's an interesting thing about this movie is that it was playing at the Crossroads Theater. You didn't live in Boulder then, so you don't remember it. Mm-mm. But okay. So this theater was where the Barnes and Noble is now. And oh, interesting. it was an indie theater. So this was an indie movie. Do you remember that? Yes, I think. Well, so I since I saw it in London, it was a mainstream movie there. Yeah, because it was like so that's the thing. It came out in 2002 in London and in the UK. And then it was released a year later in 2003 in the US. So because I distinctly remember going to see it with my mom at this theater the summer before I went to college and I went to college in 2003. 
So, would you mind if I sprinkle some facts about the movie? I would not this? mind. I'm, I'm I going would not to just mind. <laughs> just say this first facts. Ready? Okay. This was the first Western film allowed to be shown in North Korea. <gasps> Boom. What? what? That is insane. Like, like this is. Okay, this do we think historic... it's because it was about Asians broadly? Who? Like this? Like <laughs> what? I I don't even know. So, okay. So let's talk about. Okay. So you saw it at Crossroads Theater. And how old? You were going into college, right? I was going into college. This is me. This is me at age 17. So I was 17 when I went to college because I skipped the fifth grade, which is so nerdy. So nerdy. Excuse me. Did everyone hear that? We have a brain on our podcast. No, but what I want to say about that is like, that's kind of just like a microcosm for like who I was. I was like a nerd in in um, middle school and high school. And like, you know, I had lots of friends and things. And I, I wasn't like a total outcast or anything. But I definitely was like into academics. I had like, like you see in the movie, like dating was off the table for me. Like, no. And, and on top of that, like even if I wanted to date in secret, like no one was interested in me or at least I didn't think they were. So I was like, but I was, of course, boy crazy because I was like a teenager (laughs) and I'm like getting ready to go to college. And like, I've never seen any media that wasn't about like pretty white girls. And so like I go to see this movie with my mom and like I'm watching the movie and this like gorgeous guy is on the screen of course he's white and I'm like of course he's gonna hook up with Kira Knightley and it's gonna like that whole thing is gonna be about them and then like he hooks up with the Indian girl and I fucking lost my mind did your mom <laughs> say anything like, at the end of the film my, so like what I remember was my mom and I definitely left the movie theater with like huge smiles on our faces because it's such a fun movie and um I think like we didn't really talk about the like sex and relationship parts about it, but we did talk about how it was fun to see like a westernized version of kind of like our experience as like my mom being an immigrant who came from India and then me being like uh, the first generation Indian American. So that was kind of like the scene for me was like, This was such a huge deal for me, actually, in my life, seeing this movie. It actually, like, gave me a lot of confidence to see it going into college. Like, yeah, like, I can date people. They don't have to be Indian. They don't have to be, like, a certain way. Like, I can, like, date a hot white guy, (laughs) which is kind of fucked up if you think about it. Well, and then it's, like, I think, like, we should, we'll also address, like, what we thought back then of him and what we think now. Oh, so yes. much to we say about John. Talk about I that. didn't realize it was Jonathan. Oh my Myers. god, no idea. You didn't know it was no. him. I I was like oh. when he came on, I was like, oh my god, it's Jonathan Reese Myers. Yeah, and this was his breakout role, kind of. I know, too. I know. So what what was like set the scene for when you saw it? Okay, so. <laughs> Mine is very different. I'm going to be totally honest. (laughs) As it should be, right? (laughs) I was studying abroad uh, with my college or my university, um, and 
I was living in London and I was broke all the time um, mm-hmm. because those that are listening that uh, like maybe you went to NYU, there's like a lot of super rich kids that go to mm-hmm. that school. And so it's like all the like kids just had so much money to blow in London. And I think I noticed it a lot more there because I went into this program with like no friends like none of my friends were in the program and so basically it like rained the whole time um and I was (laughs) supposed to a a funny story I was supposed to be in Argentina for that semester but that was the year that the Argentinian government government it was like in 2001 2002 and it fell and, oh, okay. Um, yeah. So NYU had to close the school and they were like, oh, you can either go back to New York, which my apartment was three blocks down or four blocks down from uh, the World Trade Center, which just fell, mm. or or you can they have space for you in London. So I went to London and I had huge depression issues there. I'm sure mm-hmm. you can imagine just like post nine mm-hmm. eleven, And so basically what I would do is I would get high and <laughs> I would walk into whatever movie was playing down the street. <laughs> and that's so you how like I saw, didn't even know what it was. No. And that's how I saw Britney Spears Crossroads and <laughs> Bend It Like Beckham. <laughs> That is so hilarious. I feel I like love it that. pales in comparison to like your <laughs> monumental. And so I was telling Indra before uh, I watched this the second time, I was like, I do not remember shit from this movie, like nothing. Oh, and I'm so, so jealous. Like, so this was like brand new. It was for like you. a whole because I might have taken a nap in the sense I was so high, like. And- <laughs> So you and left the theater with like, I don't even know what I just saw. I was just like, I'm going to get a shawarma because I lived in a district where it was just like there were shawarmas everywhere. And then oh, I'm going to take yum. a nap, maybe a second nap of the day and like eat my feelings because I was so depressed. Okay. So we so no real impressions from that time because there was a lot of other stuff going on. There was, I think it was just like, I was so dealing with like the sea of emotions. And I have to say that like movies have always been for me, like an escape from like everyday life, like all of you. Mm -hmm. And, um, I do want to say that I kind of thank this film and like Britney Spears Crossroads and the other films I saw because it was such an escape. Yeah. Like PTSD 9-11 stuff and just being in cloudy London when I was supposed to be. It was summer in Argentina and I was so just down. And so like if you think about it, it did make a huge impression on me because it was a way to escape. Totally. Like movies should be. And like, didn't you? I kind of felt that way watching it this time because we're in yet again, like a very traumatic situation, like this ongoing so. trauma. I think like that's the thing. I would recommend this. Yeah. If you haven't watched it recently or ne- never, like Patrick was saying he watched it with me. Patrick is my partner. He was like, this movie like really holds up. He, like, so he, he saw it initially it, too. He saw it initially, but he like hadn't seen it in a long time. And, didn't and really I wonder how Patrick, because Patrick was on the East Coast. So it's like, how did he see it? 
That's a good question. I didn't. You know I what I he mean? Was, he was in college when it came out. So, but he said he thinks he saw it in Vermont in the small town that he's from at the um, local like indie theater that they have there. So I think it was like the first thing that struck me from the movie, other than I've had Kira Knightley's haircut, um, <laughs> which is like the short, the short, and then it's like the large like tiger stripes. Did you like use had, like that kind of hair clip that she was wearing? No, because time? that was in 2002 and I had that haircut. So in 2002, I was 21 mm-hmm. and I had that haircut when I was 17. Like it just okay. didn't go out of style, you know, that mm-hmm. 90s kind of. Mm-hmm. And isn't she so cute? She's adorable. And like, I remember thinking like that she was like, so incredibly gorgeous in that movie and I remember thinking even then that like the Indian girl is not as pretty she's like this that and the other and like I'm watching it now and I'm like oh no uh, she's the, the actress's name Parminder Nagra I'm like she's way she's prettier than Kira Knightley yeah <laughs> like, her, do you pronounce her name Parminder Parminder Nagra and so like I did some research on IMDb to just like see what she's been up to since then because it's been almost 20 years and so she was on ER for a long time so I think that was like one of her big things after Bend It Like Beckham was she was on ER and like she got married to someone who I think was associated with the show and like Maura Tierney like married them and like the whole cast of ER was them she so she had a kid with that guy and then they divorced and like she has she's been in some things but she like hasn't done a lot since then but like I think she was like 25 when she did this film yeah so her and she's like in her 40s now and so is Jonathan Rhys Myers and Kira Knightley is probably in her 40s now too no there was a 10 year age gap between Oh shit. Kira and Parminder. So how old is Kira Knightley now? Is she like So 39? she's like a little younger than me. So I'm 39. I think she's like 38. Okay. Or so maybe that, maybe she's right. like 36. Who knows? I thought it was like really well cast though. Like I thought I, so too. I thought that and not just those three people, but then all the like Indian people. So her sister is Archie Punjabi. Which, I don't know. Did you watch the show The Good Wife? No. So that show, hopefully a lot of people out there have watched it. It's a really excellent show, actually. That's what everyone says about that show. For regular, like, network TV, it's really good. And Kalinda is Archie Punjabi's um, character. And you can tell, like, at the start of the show, she was just going to be kind of like a side character. But then she becomes this, like, badass, like, PI that they rely on all the time and she has like a very distinctive personality and like I just always loved her obviously because she's like and she has an English accent in The Good Wife she does not um I don't actually maybe she does I can't remember but the thing so funny it was one of the like really cool things though was seeing her on like this legal drama and like her kind of you can see that like the show producers were like oh she's just going to be a side role and then she becomes like a main character because people loved her so much and I feel like her South Asian identity like 
I don't know. I just thought it was really cool. I always really loved that she was a big part of that show. So it was fun to see her back in this role, acting like kind of a bimbo. <laughs> um, right. And I think it was interesting because you have Jes- Jesminda or Jess is kind of, you know, the rebellious, um, mm-hmm. rebelling a little bit against Indian culture. And then I forget her sister's name, but her sister is kind of following through. Yeah. Pinky, right? Pinky, that's right. Yeah, that's like a very typical Indian Is it? nickname. Pinky is, what's or it dimple short for? or simple or pimple. <laughs> it's not short for anything. Like it's just like this weird common nickname that people use in India. I can't really explain a, it. Did you have No, a, I um, didn't I had plenty of nicknames, but not like those stereotypical Indian ones. This So is it but, like calling someone sweetie? Kind of like I have a relative who goes by Sweetie. Actually, her real really? name is not Sweetie, but that's what everyone calls her. Well, it's funny that you should say Dimple because, um, you know, I read that book, um, Dim- when Dimple met Rishni, and yes. I thought Dimp they, I never got that that was her nickname. Yeah, she was such a like great character and I feel like it was really nice to see I just thought that like the relationships that they showed like of the Indian family it was really well done in terms of like here is this Indian family kind of dealing with the stuff and happens in their family and then there's these daughters who are growing up in like a westernized society and they're like keeping secrets from their parents and they're like helping each other out and stuff like that. But they're also like battling with trying to stay true to their family traditions. And I think that like the only reason that it was done so well is because the director was Punjabi and Indian herself. So Gurinder Tada is like, she was telling the story of her own life, suppose, you know, presumably, or at least aspects of it. And so I think that's why it was like done so well and why it really resonated with me as someone who had a similar experience growing up. And um, I'll just drop another fact. So um, the budget for the film was six million and it made over um, 76 million worldwide. Wow. Good for them. Slow clap for them. them. (laughs) Especially I feel like, um, you know, since the movie came out almost 20 years ago. Yeah. And we're talking about having, um, you know, more diverse um, writers in the room and Mm -hmm. actors and voices in the culture. I feel like this was just really progressive for the time. It was. And the fact that it was like an indie release and it wasn't like in mainstream theaters, like... It just shows that we've, I think now it would absolutely just be released in a regular theater, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's like we have progressed and also, yeah, this was like kind of a big deal for the time to have like an Indian director, a a very small budget for a film um, and then have it do so well. Um, And like. I just, oh my gosh. Okay, so should we get into some of the specifics of like what happened? Of course, because I need um, to talk about Jonathan Reese Myers. Oh and, my god! And I need to talk about bootcut jeans. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, okay, Jonathan Reese Myers. I want to hear from other like I people, I, other South Asian Americans who watched the show, who watched the movie. I don't care how old were you were. Maybe you were my age. Maybe you were younger. Maybe you're older. Like, did you see him and think 
in 2003, like, he is the hottest man alive because that is what I thought. <laughs> but, but like, I don't even remember him kind of clicking. But now that I watch it, he looks like a skeleton with, <laughs> like, green eyes. Well, that's kind of his vibe. The, like, creepy sort of, like, hollow vampire. He's a fucking downer. <laughs> he sucks. I my last line in my notes is like he sucks. Oh, but I thought he was so hot. I like was like literally I remember thinking that is my dream guy. Like I want to live this story and be with that guy. He's so fucking hot. He brings up his like father or family all the time and it just feels like this is what it feels like. <laughs> He, like, needs a woman to save him. And listen, woman, we, and even men, we have all been there. We have all tried to save the Jonathan Reese Myers of (laughs) Bendit Like Beckham. And I was like, do not stay with this guy because he just wants you to be attached to him and fix Uh, his problems. And, girl, you got so so much going for yourself. Well, I think, okay, I think that the reason they kept bringing that up was to illustrate this point of, like, he fell out with his father because of all of this pressure and it was he was putting on him to be a certain way. And then they were kind of juxtaposing that with Jess having the same pressure from her family, but that she wasn't willing to just cut them off the way that he was willing to cut his dad off. And and he makes a comment towards the end, like, it's really wonderful how you, like, are so committed to your family that you wouldn't, like, leave them even though, you know, they don't stand for the things you stand for necessarily and stuff like that. And I think that that was, like, trying to send this message of, like, South Asians do kind of have, I, I definitely feel this in my family, like, this this very intense loyalty to your family, even if you realize that like stuff that they're doing is completely fucked up and you don't agree with them at all. It's like family is big in that way of like, you don't just write them off. And I'm not saying that like white people do that or whatever. I'm just, I think that that's like just something that is a hallmark of like South Asian families And I think something like that, it really illustrated of something that I learned about Indian culture as a white person is Mm -hmm. it's not even just the tie to the parents. It's the tie to the The whole community, the whole community. And I think that was really interested and especially um, when they thought that Jess was making out with Jules and I (laughs) was cracking up. And then did you notice that? That that um the woman, the fiance's mother who rats them out or makes uh-huh, up the lie uh-huh. that they're hooking up. So uh, the that dad kept on motorboating. Um <laughs> mom. What at the wedding? Yeah, but even before that, oh like my they were God. dancing around the living room and the dad's just like picking her up and motorboating her chest um i did not notice that but i'm gonna go back and watch he definitely motorboats her at least (laughs) (laughs) see these are the details that we need like i know so that was yeah i mean that is that's true though like there is this whole like south asian community that you're a part of and i think the pressure is really large because it's 
it's not just your family. It's like how you'll be perceived by everyone. It's not even how you'll be perceived. It's how your parents will be perceived and you don't want to disappoint them or make them feel bad or whatever. It's like there's a lot of different expectations that like I definitely felt as like a first generation Indian American that like I was constantly fighting this battle between like pleasing my parents and doing things the way that they wanted me to and trying to like live my life as like an American person who didn't grow up in India like they did. So I really need to hear what you think of like, do you think Jonathan Reese Myers is hot now? <laughs> um <laughs> Okay, so I think a part of that like initial intense fire for him will like right. never go away. Of course. But I have to say watching it now, I was like a little confused. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I didn't think you were going to use that. Word. I was like Jess is like 20 billion times more gorgeous than I remember yes, her 100%. being. And Jonathan Reese Myers is like it wasn't just like the way he looked. It was like his mannerisms and just like the, something... his general vibe. <laughs> is, is it like his acting or is it It's just like <laughs> he kind of seemed like he was like either really intense or like Eeyore like going back to a stick hut. But that's you know his I mean? thing. So like I think I'm affected by the fact that so one of the biggest things I think he's done since then was he was he played Henry the eighth in the Tudors which is which was like this Showtime show or AMC or something, which was like four seasons all about Henry VIII. And like, first of all, I love period pieces, like nothing else. And then he was in it and I just was like so in love with him. So I was really into it. And in that role, he's like particularly maniacal and like, he always like his, his signature thing, if you like Google pictures of him is like, with his eyes really wide open and like a puckered mouth, like looking really intense at you. And he does that a lot in Bend It Like Beckham, right? Yeah, he does a lot. Like, I think he is very striking looking, but... He um, is, but it's I like... I think he's gotten better with age. You know how certain people are better looking with age? I think he is definitely one of them. And wasn't he caught with cocaine or something, like, on a flight? He had some bad years. He definitely, like, he's sober now. But, yes, he had a lot of, like, addiction issues. And I was looking into him. I was reading about him after we watched it this time. And he he's now married to a woman. I can't remember what her name is, but they have a beautiful son and he takes his wife and son with him to, on the Aww. red carpet pretty much everywhere he goes. It looks like, and he looks, he looks a lot better now. Like he seems to have like kind of settled into like a more normal character. It seems I, I think fame kind of like got the better of him for many years. And, you can just like look at pictures of him and kind of see it. You don't even need to like know anything about him. You can just like look at date stamped pictures and be like, whoa, what's yeah, going yeah. on? Yeah. And with um, you? <laughs> again, I think he's, I think he's very attractive now. And another thing I noticed about the film, I was like, England has never looked sunnier than it has. I know. Bended, like, I was like, I was, yeah, I, that, that was a lie. <laughs> yeah, it's like every day was sunny, um, you know. Well, I think they just needed to have that positive vibe in the movie. And you know what? It worked. It, it worked. Totally I mean, worked. I wanted to go to play soccer in London. 
Um, I so what did you think of the like the Indian guys that she played soccer with? Like one of them was supposed to be like super hunky, right? The and guy, I thought that the guy with the really? t- uh, like arm tattoo. Yeah, what did you think of him? I loved it, and I loved how it was like. Were there three guys other than Tony? There were like three or four. Guys. It just kind yeah, of reminded me of like a Shakespeare play where they have the chorus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was, I don't know, maybe I'm getting like too, thinking about it too much. No, that's who they were. Yeah. yeah and they I, were and so like, I, like really appreciated that. And I think another thing we should really talk about what made it so, um, so far ahead of its time is Tony um, came out as gay. Yes. I totally for, didn't remember any of that too. I didn't remember him at all. So Jess has a best friend who is... We find out he's a gay Indian young man, and but he obviously hasn't come out to anyone, and Jess doesn't know, and everyone is always talking about how like him and Jess would make a great match, and she's clearly not into him. He's obviously not into her, but like it's so funny how he comes out to her, too, because she's like you know, bend it like Beckham, like Beckham is so great. And like, he's like so fit and whatever. And he's like, yeah, I really like Beckham. And she's like, yeah, I know everyone does. And he's like, no, I really like Beckham. I love (laughs) And she's like, oh. (laughs) And like, you can't tell me that she, like, it's, it's interesting how they didn't touch upon her attraction to Beckham because she, like the big picture is a giant picture of his face. And let me just say that, like, I thought that was really interesting. The decor in Jess's room versus um, Jules's room. Did you notice that? Yeah, like Jules had the Mia Hamm stuff. Yeah, she had, like, all the, like, female soccer players. And then Jess had, like, Beckham. And you, you just know, like, they never explicitly said it, but I know that she was in love with him. And I also saw it as like she doesn't have the opportunity to kind of figure out what's going on in America because not that she's um, she's kind of walled in by her culture in the sense of like, you know, Jules probably can go and watch games whenever she wants and her dad's involved with her uh, soccer career, I'll call it. And I think the hard thing was is like I loved the mom up until her anti LGBTQ comments. Oh, the, the Jules Jules's really, mom. Yeah, Jules's that was mom was interesting to me really too hard. because that was a choice that the director made. You know, oh, is that like, what it says? Oh, no, well, like no. The, I mean, I'm just like speculating. Like they kind of like she didn't have to put that in the movie. You know, she didn't. It was a choice. And I think it's like not listen, it, it's terrible, but I don't think it was. I'm going to give the director a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. Like, yeah, of like she thought it would be comedic relief, but it doesn't age well at all. And I do think that maybe maybe there is an element there of trying to show that like hey, look at how backwards things are for the LGBT community, not just in the Indian community, but amongst like white people as well. Like, right. That's this is a this is a community that's being oppressed, like across all boundaries. It's not just like the Indian community. So maybe that was part of it. I mean, Jules's mom is such a caricature. And like I was Patrick and I were talking about it afterwards. And I was saying, you know, that like, 
it really was like the first movie that I had ever seen where the person being made fun of was the was the white person and it wasn't oh, really yeah because like think about all the other representations of Indians leading up to this right. it was basically right. like a poo on the Simpsons and right. it was just making fun of him for having an accent and for like owning a quickie mart you know and in this movie front and center were the immigrants and the person who was acting a fool was the white person and I, th- I just really thought that that was, like, a really great um, thing to finally see. Like, it, I, honestly, I think it was one of the first times I had ever seen, like, Indian people depicted like that on a Western screen. And, and it, like, really changed things for me. Like, can you think, like, can you be- imagine just, like, going no, through I life couldn't. seeing no. your community, like, treated that way in media, No, and basically. I think it, that's why, like, this podcast is super important, and I just kind of want to plug it, because it's, like, maybe you are Indian American or Indian whatever listening or to South it, Asian think, American or whatever, yeah. Right, but I think, we, you know, we need to share, like, a podcast like this, because these experiences aren't talked about enough. I mean, I feel like I'm pretty old and, you know, it's like I'm hearing this. I think you've told me it before, but basically for the first time. And that's why it's important to... And um, I'm kind of like just realizing these things for the first time because it's like like a frog in a boiling pot of water or whatever, like just slowly you're just like... Right. You just kind of are... It's what you grow up with. You kind of accept it. And then at some point you realize like, hey, that was like really fucked up. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And like, no wonder things felt kind of weird or hard or, you know, whatever. So I'm not trying to like throw myself a pity party, but. No. Do you remember the first Indian man, woman that you were attracted to, whether it's. Well, that's a really interesting thing. And Patrick and I were joking about it, too. So Patrick, my partner, is like Irish by heritage on both sides. And I was like. Maybe I got into you because you're like Irish, like Jonathan Reese Myers. <laughs> but oh my like God. honestly, this is another thing that's been really weird my whole life. Is like I've never really been that attracted to South Asian men. And I've never it's... dated anyone that's South Asian. No. And I think it's because like I have two brothers and right. every time I see th- South Asian men, like because I grew up in such a white place. I just kind of equate them with like family. (laughs) Like I think that must be what it is. I don't know what it is. I definitely like, like, okay, there are some like very hot Bollywood actors. Like I think my favorite is um, Amir Khan. He's, he's really hot. He's, he's old now, but he's like back in the day. I love to watch him. Um, we should definitely watch something like him. I want to hear from other people. Like Shah Rukh Khan, my cousin in India, was like obsessed with him. She had posters on her wall. But like, did you everywhere. have, was there anyone like Priyanka? I mean, I know Priyanka is like kind of one of a kind, but was there anyone like that that you would see pictures of and just be like, oh my gosh? Well, I think it's different for men than women, right? I feel like Indian beauty standards for women, like, 
I th- there's this like for better or worse like exoticism of Indian women where like right like remember that episode of Southern Charm where Patricia yes. is like I think that Indian people are the most beautiful people on that's Earth. what she's I do not know but I remember Cameron yeah she meant to say it as like a compliment but the way she said it was just so fucking racist it was just like exotifying it's the way um like western culture kind of digests and kind of shits out like indian culture no offense but like Mm -hmm. the take it or leave it i'm just thinking of like when you know people wear bindis or whatever or yeah like, Mm -hmm. like like indian um like in fashion when it in the 90s when it was like popular to like wear like a ton of bracelets and get into yoga and Madonna was yeah. doing her yeah. like, kind of thing and then it's like discarding it is it's just so problematic looking back the discarding part is the problem right i've been thinking a lot about like cultural appropriation and like when is it when is it cultural appropriation and i think it's an interesting topic and I think that like if you decide to wear a bindi or you know wear Indian clothes or whatever or adopt a part of another culture that is not your own I think if you really understand it and you really like value it in a deep way from a place of like really understanding it then that's not cultural appropriation But like you're saying, if you kind of just do it because, you know, it's like a fad and then you just discard it and you like never think about like the cultural implications of it or like, you know, what's behind this like fashion choice that I'm making. I think that's where it gets problematic. I don't That's just what I've been thinking. It's a tricky thing because especially with um, the thing that I never really thought about until the past couple of years is with dance too. Um, because I've been listening to a lot of, this is kind of off track, but like Big Frida who does like the uh, Louisiana, New Orleans sissy bounce. And mm-hmm. I, uh, they are someone that, you know, I've just kind of followed their career. And I remember when I first saw them in concert, um, it must've been like 10 years ago or something. It was outside they were just kind of um, at like a, one of those like Brooklyn free festivals and it was like, okay, here's Big Freedom. It was the first time I heard Sissy Bounce mm-hmm. and it was like the people in the crowd that knew what Sissy Bouncing was, was were Sissy Bouncing. And then, um, and then I went to a party and it was like, everyone's like Sissy Bouncing and that was kind of the thing. Yeah. And then it, and then looking back and, and I just like I listened to them so much on my running mix and I'm like but if I wanted to sissy bounce that's cultural appropriation yeah it could be I think there's a scenario where it couldn't be though if you were like I am genuinely very interested in this art form right and like and if you were a serious dancer who was like I want to learn this and I want to like learn it from someone who it is from their like culture and I want to understand it and things like that. Like, I think if you do the work like that, then it, it doesn't have to be. 
because like I think there's a danger in telling people like you cannot do these things because they're not your culture. I think that that is problematic too, you know, because how do right. we share things? I think things? it's interesting because just thinking of like Madonna when she kind of, you know, was she was doing those, I don't even know what the motion is, but it's when you kind of touch your pointer finger and your thumb. And like, is that, I mean, I'm totally honest. Is that a cultural? I I don't think it is with her because she actually is really into like Eastern religion. Like arguably she, I mean, definitely she knows more about those things than I do as someone who is that culture, you know, like. And that's the interesting thing is because like, I think it costs to get all in okay i'm gonna make a huge blanket statement and then i'll probably (laughs) retract it okay to get all into a culture like that takes Mm -hmm. money it does it does yeah because it's like it takes time which like Mm -hmm. i don't mean to sound whatever but time is money right Mm -hmm. um and then and then it's kind of interesting because it's just like for like so madonna does it right but then i so in Brooklyn, I worked at um, a ramen place, mm-hmm. and um, so so white men would come in, um, and and like talk Japanese to the waitresses. Obviously, I, I'm white, but but and it was totally like just talking to the Japanese waitresses after my peers. Mm-hmm. They were like, they are just you know, this is what they want. They're they're fetishizing us and. You know, this is their way of, like, it's very degrading kind of what they're doing, learning the language and hitting on us. And, you know, and they were so aware. Do you feel like you've ever experienced that? Oh, my God. That happens to me almost daily in Boulder. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Like, oh, my fucking God. Like, I think I talked about it. Like, Eastern culture. Yeah. I I would. Oh, like, people will, they'll see me and, they'll be like oh you're Indian and I'm interested in this and I'm like so they'll ask me my name and then like this guy at McGuckin's once this is a hardware store in town here in Boulder he he was he's just he just saw that I was Indian he assumed that I was Indian he asked me what my name was when I was buying like fucking dog food or something so I tell him my name and then he goes do you know what your name means and like goes into this whole thing about what my name means. How did he's he know this that? Fucking washed up white guy. I'm just like, please stop. Like, please. You have just made 20 billion assumption assumptions about me because of the color of my skin. Right. Like literally. And like, I just came here to buy dog food. And I don't want to talk. Right. Like, you're not doing this to the white person that's going to be up here next right. to me. You know? Like, I think it's when people, they they feel like they have license to, like, point things out about you because of the way that you look. And that feels really bad, even if it's a compliment, you know. So I think that, I mean, so that's kind of getting off the whole cultural appropriation. Sorry, we sort of went on a tangent there. But I think it's relevant. No, but I think this is all important and part of the conversation that, you know, we need to have on this podcast because... Yeah. And I think that we want to hear actually from all of you about what you oh, think. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah. 
I want to hear the good, bad, and the really ugly. Like I, I really am interested because of people sharing their stories. Um, yes. And especially, I would just love to talk to like a, an expert, like in. I know. I want to talk to someone who's like really thought about like cultural appropriation of like South Asians in Western right. media. I'm sure right. there's someone who's written a thesis about this somewhere. And it better not so be So if some you white know dude, someone, tell us, That's please. not a white dude. That's- <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a white dude. But if they've done a PhD, like, we can assume that they have really done their homework and they care. Actually, I would like to ask you something because I think there was a really important moment um, toward the end of the movie when mm-hmm. um, we see Jess get into a um, fight with another player on the opposite yes. team. And it's yes. because um, the player called her Packy, a Packy, which is... Which is vile. That's vile. Is it a degrading term for Indians? Yeah, I think it's something that is more prevalent in British culture. Um, right. There's a lot of racism against South Asians in the UK. Um, and so Paki is short for Pakistani. And there is a large Pakistani population in the UK. And so you know, if you call someone a Paki, it's a derogatory term for a brown person, basically. It's basically like the N-word for a brown person in the UK. Like, I, I've never heard that used in the States. Um, but obviously, they put that into the movie to make a big statement. And it's like, I remember yeah. in the theater when Jonathan Rhys Myers goes, I understand I'm I Irish. <laughs> wrote that down I was like what I remember everyone in the theater laughing at that then and like I laughed about it again now and then Patrick and I were like do you think that like that was supposed to be serious or was was it supposed to be a joke like earnest I mean it's true like the British have fucked over the Irish like for generations like that's a true thing but it's like right but you're you're like this white gorgeous sex symbol I know. <laughs> and, and he, the way he moves through the world and the way jess moves through the world are two very different, different things very different things i think i would love to t- ask the director and writer about this one thing i want to know if she meant it to be a joke or if she wanted it to be serious to like show that they were actually bonding i i just want to know because i just it it's so ridiculous it was so and and then did you notice like he is such a tough nut to crack in this so there's that Mm -hmm. there's the complex relationship with the father and then so so it goes through the whole thing the whole movie and Jules Kira Knightley's character is like oh I really there's going to be an American scout coming and I really yeah. want to play pro ball in the United States and so she's just kind of hyping it up in her head mm-hmm. and then like Jonathan Reese's Myers like after like he doesn't tell both of them that there's a scout in the audience or in the <laughs> bleachers until after i know like that does I, not then they make didn't even explain sense. that like he didn't say like oh i didn't want to tell you cuz i didn't want you to be nervous or anything he just like didn't tell them 
And she's just like, she's just like, and, and it's funny when you, you watch these movies and the character just accepts it, yeah. you know, and, and the whole audience is kind of like, just like shaking their heads, just like, yeah. wait, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. like, pa- I don't know. Pause? I just, Question? I don't know what to make of it. He's a very interesting character. I will say though, I just... I remember how like hot I was for him watching that I mean, movie. Is, at he's 17 very beautiful. Years old. If you told me he was a male model, like I would be like, oh yes, my god! He is. Like I remember it seared into my brain the scene where he comes to the house to try and convince them to let Jess back on the team, and right. he opens the door and they show him kind of like looking back at him and with like his intense blue eyes, and I was like, oh, swoon. <laughs> But, like, it's interesting because you never see him enjoying himself through the whole movie. Well, like, okay. Not... What about the club? What about the club? What, okay, a, what so did you club, think of his dance like, moves? <laughs> it's like an hour and a half movie and you get 10 minutes or, like, five minutes know, of him but, enjoying himself. But that's part of it. It's the dark, brooding Irishman, isn't it? I like, know. that is just hot as anything. It is yeah. for me. Anyway, that makes I, sense. okay. That, One more it, thing hey. I want to say about this movie is how how incredible was the soundtrack to this movie? <gasps> oh my god! When the Mel C song came on, oh, I was like, my. "Is this Mel C?" Because Andrew was on IMDb, <laughs> and I was like, "This is the shit." <laughs> Dude, there's so many good tracks and there's all oh these like gosh. South Asian American so mashups good. of these popular songs. It's so good. You like, can work out to this soundtrack you in absolutely 2020. Can. Get on your treadmill if you have one and watch this movie and you will have like the best run of your life. I need to <laughs> or put, put it in your like, headphones and oh like lift gosh. some weights like. I just want to say, like, can we, can we, should we have, like, should we say, like, I'm, I'm giving this one, I'm giving it an enthusiastic thumbs up. Oh, <laughs> like, yeah. This 10 is out like of 10. Just, like, listen, life is so intense right now. If you just want to take a back seat and yes. just, like, enjoy yourself and feel like you're watching a movie without, like, huge emotional attachment meaning like it's not gonna have like big downs you know you're not gonna be like worried about like yeah yeah but it's also gonna bring you up in like significant ways like and also I do think like as we were saying with our teaser last week like share this podcast with a friend um if you want to learn more about South Asian culture and like in westernized situations like I, as someone who has lived that experience, I felt so close to this movie at the time that it came out. And I still do. Like, I just, I feel like it tells the story really, really well. Like, obviously I have different things that have happened in my life, but so many things that happened in that movie happened to me too. (laughs) And I think that it's just, it's a really beautiful and fun depiction of like what it is to be a first-generation South Asian living in a Western country. And it's cool because um, they also, they made a musical out of it. Yeah, oh my God. So I didn't actually read anything about it. Yeah, so in 2015, it opened in the West End. And uh, yeah, it was on, on there for nine months. Amazing. Um, all right, so we that's it for this week. We have a whole bunch of great content, though, coming up in the rest of this month and the rest of the year, really. 
we're really excited. We're going to be um, interviewing one of the cast members of Indian Match Mem- Matchmaking next week. So we're going to keep it a secret of who it is. We have a few interviews lined up, though, with some great characters from the show. So that will be great. Um, the week after that, we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to updates on Family Karma, the Bravo TV show, what's going on with the and cast. And we have updates. <laughs> we have I try up, to put like a little updates. like slang on it to yeah. just be like <laughs> emphasizing like it is just not updates. It's yes. updates. We have updates. We have like a source. We have all this stuff. Um and then can I reveal the last thing? We have a special yes. Halloween episode. Yay. I am so excited. Oh and my god. We are gonna cover, we'll announce it beforehand, but we're gonna cover um an Indian horror, horror movie <laughs> that I am petrified of the trailers. Actually, so it's I'm, called it's called Bulbul B-U-L-B-B-U-L, and it's on Netflix. I'm so scared. So like I'm so scared. I I hate okay, I I love scary movies cuz I actually think they're really fun and then I hate them afterwards because I can't sleep for like days. I know. So we're in it together, guys. We're in it together and girls. We might live watch that one. <laughs> like we might watch it and then comment on it on the podcast as it's playing. To make it a little less scary, but um, I know because I don't know if I can watch it alone. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna watch it in our own houses, but on the podcast. So, um, that's just like one of many things. We're reading books. We're gonna be talking to um a South Asian beauty expert brand starter in November, which is really exciting. Um, so many awesome things, and we're just really excited with this new start and hopefully you are too. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. I just want to say, follow us on the socials, uh, family karma cast on Twitter and Instagram. And we have a Patreon page that is going to be exploding with extra stuff. So follow us um, on Patreon. The Patreon is about to be lit on fire because they just released who they think the top 20, contestants are on Tasha's season of the bachelorette and we are going to be doing a cast rundown for the patreon page so if you're into that kind of thing we hope that you'll join us there um we're just so bring your rose yes, bring your rose bring your rose bring your rose and, your <laughs> and, and yes your rose and join us yes. and so we're really excited to uh go on this adventure and uh yeah hop on board with us Well, that's it from us. That's it from us. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, wait. Namaste, bitches. Namaste, bitches. (laughs)